Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Let's get it. Tarek, good old fashioned half dollar here. Uh, call it heads or tails? Uh, tails. Big surprise. A half dollar. It's tails. Hey. All right, you want the ball? I do want the ball, yes. All right, here's a question Baker Mayfield is sad. He wants to get the hell out of Cleveland and is saying all the wrong things to get it done. He did cite himself that uh, Seattle would make the most sense, though, and I can get behind that. So right now, as of April 13th, 2022, Keep Trade Cut has Baker Mayfield at quarterback 33. You buying or selling Baker? Ooh, that is a great question. I have not thought about Baker Mayfield as a dynasty asset in a long time. So I appreciate you asking that question. At quarterback 33, I think I'm going to buy. You know, what? what is he, 26, 27? Uh, yeah, something at, like that. Yeah, something like that. And he's definitely going to get another shot as the former number one overall pick. He's definitely going to get another shot to play in the NFL. Um, so I think he's going to have at least another year or two of starting level quarterback, you know, QB two production in a super flex league. And yeah, I mean, maybe he goes to a, a better situation. I, I, I don't honestly know what's going to happen. I, yeah, Seattle would make the most sense. Uh, I think Seattle's probably also interested in Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter and others. So we'll see, but at quarterback 33, uh, I'll go ahead and buy Trey. Would you sell? Well, I, I agree with Tarek here, but uh, I'll play devil's advocate. So I'd, I'd say the sell case going to Seattle is they're not going to throw it any more than Cleveland does, you know? So it's not like he's automatically going to step into a ton of volume or, you know, automatically be in a better situation. Uh, yeah, his value would go up because we'd be back to starting again, but he would, you know, be very unlikely to finish in, I'll say, the top 24 of quarterbacks in the league. Uh, even if he is a starter in Seattle. So so that's the sell case. But, you know, I think I agree with with Tarek that 33 is probably too low. FYI, Baker Mayfield turns 27 tomorrow or the day that this episode releases. So happy birthday, Baker, I guess. Yeah, definitely didn't plan that. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> he trade cut has his value going. You could trade him for an early second, which is actually pretty good, pretty good value for a uh, starting quarterback if he actually is a starting quarterback. Or you could uh, get Carson Wentz, John's favorite quarterback, DJ Chark or Sky Moore. John, you in any of that? Well, and I know that you always turn to me as the comedic relief, but I actually have recently acquired uh, Baker Mayfield to one of my dynasty teams. And in fact, that is not a joke. I know some people are <laughs> laughing at me right now. Uh uh, so one of our regular listeners, Pat, uh, I'd been trying to get Baker off of him for a few months here, and I off I offered him the second that you just suggested. It was a later second, um, and he he said, "No, no, I can't move Baker." But then he came back and said, "All right, you give me Kenny Galladay and Brevin Jordan, I'll give you Baker." And I, and I jumped all over that. So Word. yeah, comedic yeah, relief. There I, you go. <laughs> I like that in a super flex league. Uh, Brevin Jordan, who he's athletic, likely, likely will not be anything. You know, I mean, we, we, he's somebody you want to bet on just because he showed some production in that rookie year. And then Kenny Galladay. I mean, I think Kenny Galladay may low key be 
uh, sneaky buy right now. <laughs> I, you know, I say that with a little bit of hesitation, but ultimately, like, yeah, in a super flex league, give me Baker Mayfield over those uh, two, you know, either declining or dart throw assets. Let's call them replaceable fantasy players. <laughs> there we go. Value over replacement player. Vorp players. No, they're just orp players. Right, orp. zero vorp. <laughs> what? Zero, zero value. Oh, Zero Bitch, value. let me tell you about the 1990 metric value over replacement player. No, yeah, this, dog, I'm this, good this on that. This metric is going off the rails. We All were right. youngsters. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to take you into the, the 20th century here. So they're not value over replacement. They're value of replacement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a computer. Easily re- replaceable, I think, is the summary. Yeah. Hashtag analytics. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to episode 51 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Ben Shwia. With me today, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. The gang is back together John, you are back once again. What's going on, my man? Hey, I'm happy to be back. Uh, once this hits the airwaves, we're going to be two weeks from the NFL draft. It feels like this offseason's flown by. Like there's been, it's been an exciting offseason. So, unlike the uh, dread of previous years where nothing has happened, this has been very exciting, and I'm excited to get into draft season. Very excited for the NFL draft. We've been, you know, talking about these rookies for the past month. Um, so it'll be nice to see those landing spots, but. Trey, what's going on with you, my friend? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, like John said, it's uh, we're getting into draft day here pretty soon. So, uh, you know, shortly thereafter that, and I think the majority of our dynasty leagues, we're going to have our, you know, actual rookie drafts too. So, yeah, I think this episode, you know, wrapping up the uh, rookie preview series is, uh, is timely here and uh, ready to get into these wide receivers. Nothing but timely content. Nothing oh, yeah. but timely content. That's what we strive for. Mitch, what's going on? Speaking of timely content here, so I know I started off with the Baker Mayfield content. Uh, I I wrote this down and I forgot to mention it in the coin toss. I'm just going to throw it out there right now because it's his birthday. Uh, I think my favorite criticism was a response to a fan. It was, and I quote, I would love to show up to somebody's cubicle and just boo the shit out of them. Watch them crumble. What a fucking dweeb. Happy birthday, Baker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I took that personally as a former cubicle worker uh, who has since moved to the home office. Like, who actually goes into the office and works in a cubicle anymore? Am I right? Well, Baker Mayfield's there booing the shit out of him. So <laughs> it just shows you how out of touch Baker Mayfield is. First, he thinks that people work in cubicles. And second, he lives in a stadium. It's like, come on. He's not a real person. For, for all you kids out there, watch the video of Baker Mayfield running away from the police. It's a it's a good Look, I mean, if you're a a star athlete, a professional player, like, yes, you don't deserve to be like dragged every second of every day, but like, you're going to get booed occasionally, you know, like that's what you're signing up for. So I'm come on, dude, get it together. Especially when you have a face like Baker Mayfield. 
So, um, (laughs) anyway, all right. So what we're going to do today, we're finishing up our 2022 pre-draft rookie preview series with eight more wide receivers. Lots of exciting prospects to discuss today. But before we get into that, um, I just wanted to, you know, say uh, here on TLG on the air, uh, rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. We got the news um, about his death uh, about three or four days ago. So just absolutely devastating. Um, Seemed like an amazing person. Um, So, you know, condolences to his family, everyone who knew him and, you know, to the whole kind of NFL community. Yeah, it it sucks, man. It's it's tragic. I was really rooting for him. And uh, yeah, it's it's a terrible way for any human being to go of any profession. So, yeah, not much else to say except, you know, rest in peace. Rest in peace. For sure. For sure. Okay, so transitioning kind of back to Dynasty content. uh, Here are the eight receivers that we're going to discuss today. We got Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, David Bell, John Mechie, Wandale Robinson, and Khalil Shakir. So I think, in my opinion, like the eight receivers we discussed today, I feel like they run a little bit deeper than the some of the ones we discussed last week. So I'm really excited to get into this episode. Let's kick off this first half. So First of two Ohio State Buckeyes we're going to discuss today, Garrett Wilson, six foot, 184 pounds at the combine, which I think was a little smaller than he was listed at Ohio State. So that was a bit disappointing uh, for those BMI truthers out there. Uh, Five star recruit from Lake Travis, Texas, also where Baker Mayfield is from and close to where all of us are from. Um, I guess, well, John, you live there now. But anyway, (laughs) Garrett Wilson (laughs) broke out as a... (laughs) Just, yeah. Garrett Wilson broke out as a sophomore in 2020. uh, 723 yards in eight games along with uh, six touchdowns. So that was in that COVID-shortened season. Um, And that was on a 28% target share. Last year, as a junior, he did compile over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns in 11 games. So, John, um, Wilson blazed 4-3-8 at the combine uh, in his 40. And every other mock draft seemingly has him coming off the board in the top 10. So you've mentioned a few times both on this podcast and off that Wilson is your wide receiver one. Um, So just wanted to check in with you. Is that still the case here in mid-April? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I pushed out a tweet today uh, and I I was privy to that 2020 breakout. The first game of that COVID-shortened season, they played against Nebraska. And our listeners will well know we will know very well that I am a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan. So I saw in that first game his breakout, uh, seven receptions, 129 yards. And what I saw that day and what I've seen on basically every single game of film subsequently is a guy that can win at every level of the field. He can beat you deep. Uh, he can win. He can create space in the middle of the field. Um, there's really nothing that I think he can't do. You say he's a little undersized, and so maybe um, at the NFL that's going to be an issue if he gets pushed at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but honestly, I'm not too worried about that. I feel like Garrett Wilson is the safest player in this draft uh, at any position. I feel like his floor is really, really solid. Uh, I, I project that he'll be living somewhere between wide re- wide receiver 8 and wide receiver 16. I 
really like Garrett Wilson. And I've got him in tier one of these wide receivers right now uh, at the top of tier one. And I don't, I don't know what else I can say. Like, I can't find a lot of holes in his game. Uh, every game he played, it, he, was, he looked like the best player on the field to me. So he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, and it looks like he's probably going Atlanta at 8 or the Jets at 10. And in either of those situations, I think he's the best wide receiver for that team. So uh, I'm dra- I think there's a really strong argument for taking him top three and even as high as one in any format of rookie drafts. And that's where I'm at right now. Wow. One in any format. Yeah. Bold. I mean, look, John, I'm I'm coming over to your side a little bit. Garrett Wilson is at least my number two wide receiver now. And he the more I watch Over who, Mitch? Over Burks. London okay. is still uh my number one guy here. But it's it's all very close with all three of them, but I think he's and he I think Garrett Wilson is the most talented all around gifted of the bunch. He has the silkiest hands. He's they're so soft uh, and they're arrogant too. like Jamar Chase sometimes how he snags the ball out of the air, like catching the ball looks so easy for him. And his elusiveness after the catch is excellent. His routes against man coverage is nasty uh, and he can fly. So he reminds me a bit of Devonta Smith with the small frame and could use a little bench press. But he also kind of looks like Stefan Diggs, too. Like, I, I think that's the easy comp. But this guy is he's up there for me, too, John. Well, I think you said Stefan Diggs and that's like his ceiling. But um, I think that the worst case scenario is somebody at that size, maybe like Marquise Lee, who was really fast, who didn't really ever do anything. I don't think that's the appropriate comp, but it's probably good to give a, a range, you know, uh, but I definitely agree that at the ceiling, he could be as good as Stefan Diggs for sure. So I've definitely got Garrett Wilson in my top tier of three receivers here as well. And I don't think he's a bad prospect at all. I just would prefer Traylon Burks or um, Drake London if I get to choose between the three. So I, I'd be happy to take Garrett Wilson at the fifth overall pick. The reason I'm going to give the edge to those other guys is because his best season in terms of yards per team pass attempt was a 3.21, which was you know right there with Drake London's best season, uh, slightly worse and then significantly worse than Burke's season. And that was his junior year and his, his senior year, or excuse me, that was the sophomore year and his junior year, you know, he uh, kind of regressed back down to 2.54 yards per team pass attempt. That's because he was ceding work to sophomore Jackson Smith Najigba, who's going to be an absolute superstar in the NFL one day. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he wasn't the only one who lost work to the sophomore. Olave did too. Um, you know, you mentioned the difference in size, but yeah, I agree. That's not as important. Uh, it's just that we have this really sticky predictive metric uh, 3.21 for his best yards per team pass attempt season isn't anything, you know, to look past, but, you know, because he didn't hit that same level of competition as Burks, uh, you know, in the SEC, I'm going to, you know, slide him down a few slots in my ranks. Yeah. So um, in our preseason show where we kind of highlighted some 2022 prospects, I talked about Garrett Wilson, who was going into the season as my wide receiver one for the 2022 class. But what I said is I wanted to see him take a step up in market share of receiving yards, take a step up in yards per team pass attempt, and he didn't do that, right? So 
I, I totally vibe with you here, Trey. I, I can just see a world, right? Let, let's imagine this world where Garrett Wilson goes to the Falcons at eight overall. He's the first receiver on the board. London goes to the Jets and like Traylon Burks maybe falls out of the first round. Like I, there's enough smoke out there that is saying that Traylon could fall out of the first round that I think it's possible. And in that situation, I could see Wilson becoming my wide receiver one because of how much work is available in the Falcons, right? If London goes to the Jets, I'm still going to love him. But, you know, he's going to be sharing the field with Elijah Moore. With Garrett Wilson, you know, he's a great player. The NFL loves him. I think his athleticism and his ability to win against coverage, like John was saying and Mitch was saying, I think it stands out when you watch him. And, yeah, the production is solid. It's not as elite Right. As uh, Burks, especially. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say it until we get landing spots like the this top three receivers. They're just such an interchangeable tier for me. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where all of us are. That's where we have to be. Like, this is the top tier. This is the big three right here. And like, we'll see what happens on draft day. And, uh, you know, we'll move accordingly or we won't. Right. I mean, I think. If I'm kind of reading what we're saying, it kind of seems like Trey is a is maybe the most convicted out of all of us on Trey Lawn being at the top, right? Is that is that fair to say, Trey? Because I feel like I, they're interchangeable for me right now. I, I I it's definitely a top tier, and I would definitely go one, two, three wide receiver before mixing in another position. You know, like I, I don't think I would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kenneth Walker, like the next quarterback off the board over Wilson at this point, like I would still, you know, take Wilson at that fifth overall pick, assuming okay. the draft board shakes out Brees Hall, Willis, and then the three receivers. Okay. okay. Can I just add one more thought here? Uh, we've, we've had this uh, running joke in our group chat lately about how I prefer the floor, but I just wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get on the record because I do think well, Traylon Burks has the highest ceiling in this class that Garrett Wilson does have the safest floor. And I just want to get it on the record that I think this guy is likely to live in the wide receiver two territory. So I think his floor this year going forward, it's like wide receiver 20. Would you all agree with that? Or is that too aggressive? I can get on board with that. I don't think that's too aggressive. Yeah. And I, I think he's going to come in with top 10 draft capital, most likely. And he's going to be valued as a wide receiver two right off the bat. Sure. Um, but look, like if his ceiling, like you and Mitch were saying earlier, John, if his ceiling is Stefan Diggs, that's a pretty high ceiling, right? right. So we got to recognize that the ceiling exists as well. Yes, so, you know, sure. if there's that ceiling and there is the safe floor, yeah, I don't think you can blame anyone for having Garrett Wilson as their wide receiver one. All right, uh, let's move on to the next guy we're going to talk about here, and that is Jamison Williams, 6'1", 190-pound receiver from Alabama, who spent his first two years buried on the Ohio State depth chart behind uh, aforementioned Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So he decides to transfer from one of the best college programs in the country to the best college program in the country and then explodes in his junior year with 1,572 yards and 15 touchdowns. And that was on a really insane 20 yards per catch. He also added two touchdowns on special teams. So the bummer is he tears his ACL in the national championship game. So he's unable to participate at the combine. And obviously there's going to be some health questions going into the entire draft process. But Mitch, 
for me, watching JMO's tape from 2021 was like incredible. He is electric. So he's a player that's been rising for me all offseason. I've been saying that he is closer to that tier of top three for me than he is to my wide receiver five. But tell me, what do you think of JMO? I actually agree with you exactly there. I have him at number four. I moved him ahead of Pickens. Um, I think he's an excellent athlete. I think he's a better athlete than a wide receiver, but he's a damn good wide receiver too. So uh, he's got a lot of potential. His best route, though, is that deep ball. And if he gets paired mm-hmm. with a quarterback that specializes in that department and uh, a little draft cap, I think he's going to be pushing that top three uh, a lot more closely. And uh, like you said, he's an elite athlete. He can take it the distance every single time he touches the ball. So there's a lot to like here. Um, If he sneaks behind the top of the defense, it's a touchdown. If he grabs it in stride across the middle, it's a touchdown. If he gets a single block on a screen, it's a touchdown. You get the point. He's a weapon. So uh, pros, he has this deceptive speed change-up thing where he gets the defenders thinking that uh, he's at top speed, and then he just puts it into the next gear and burns them and takes the top off them. That that causes them to take poor angles on him as well. So the ACL tear is going to eliminate him from that top tier, but that might be a positive for you if you're drafting him. So Because uh, they were saying he was going to show out at the Combine, be like the fastest player there. So um, I don't think he has the most natural hands, but... Uh, I'd like to see him more in uh, 50-50 situations, but there are ways around that. So if he's running past people and being game plan the ball, um, I think he's going to be a major, major upside player, uh, kind of in the late stage of the uh, first round of the rookie draft. Yeah, so Mitch, I've got him at wide receiver four for this rookie class as well. So right there with you, uh, you know, first things first, the yards per team pass attempt, his best year was his last year at Bama. He hit 2.93, which isn't in the same tier as the guys ahead of him, but he did outperform Garrett Wilson's uh, junior year at Ohio State. So, um, you know, there's an argument there, but, you know, what stands out to me is the 19.9 yards per catch that he put up uh, over his college career, which is insane. And I think it's going to paint him in some people's mind as a deep threat, as you mentioned, like his ability to be a burner down the field. And I don't think that's entirely giving him credit for what he can do as a wide receiver. Like he did just as much, you know, as a yak machine, as a yards creator, as he did as, you know, a guy who was taking the top off the defense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I've seen some concerns out there that have been raised about his ability to win against press coverage, uh, especially at the NFL level. Uh, But I think if he gets high draft capital and goes in the first round, I think we should kind of fade those concerns about the uh, the press coverage because that means that there's NFL teams out there that believe that he can be you know coached and and could do that at the next level. So he's not in that top three for me, but uh, he's right there in the second one B tier, right there with Chris Olave. Yeah, I I, I hate to do it because we haven't really done it this season, but I, we haven't had a good dose of helmet scouting. But a lot of his situation reminds me of uh, Jalen Waddle in that. Here's a guy that uh, is an extreme athlete who we all, it sounds like we all have him at four right now. If he hadn't had the injury, we would probably all have him at one or two is my guess. Uh, So he's, he's going to be a value in drafts because of that. And just like you said, Trey, I totally, I totally, I was vibing with you because 
just like Jalen Waddle was taking the top off at Alabama, that's not how he was used in Miami at all this season. I could see the exact same thing happening to Jamison Williams here and uh, being the same kind of PPR machine because, as you said, he's really good at creating space for himself in the middle of the field. So I, I hope that the ACL tear heals properly. I hope he doesn't rush it because I think he's probably the best talent in the wide receiver position. Um, and I'd love to see him be successful in the NFL. And if he falls to me as a wide receiver four in drafts, like I, that feels like a steal. Yeah. The other side of the helmet scouting coin there is like on the spectrum of fast guys, right? That came out of Alabama the last few years. Is he more waddle or is he more rugs? Right. Um, and I, and I think both are probably overly reductive, but I think if you're going to put that spectrum, I think it's it's probably more waddle, right? Because I think he can legit separate on deep routes, at least like that's what I've seen and that's what I've kind of read from film guys. And unlike Ruggs, in that junior year, he's got actual production. He does. Right? Ruggs, yeah. Ruggs' production profile was garbage, right? It was all draft capital and speed. So... I mean, Trey kind of gestured to this, and I want to I want to reemphasize it. My worry with Jamison Williams is that the NFL pigeonholes him, right, and uses him as a one trick pony deep threat, just running fly routes every every you know game. Like that would be awful. Like, I, I think like what the Raiders did with Rugs. I mean, I know we're saying Jamison Williams is better than Rugs, but I, I'm I think the NFL, a lot of NFL teams and coaches. They do shit like that, where they just send people out there to run flies and clear out, you know? Yeah, but if you're going to do that, you better not do it with a first-round pick wide receiver, you know? Like, you can find guys like that every year, like Anthony Schwartz in the third, fourth, fifth round, you know? Like, you don't have to yeah. do that in the first 32 picks. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Jamison Williams, probably first-round pick, and when that happens, definitely going to be a first-round rookie draft pick. Uh, real value at wide receiver four in this class, I think. Yeah, I I would say right now before the NFL draft, I'm looking at drafting him at about the seventh pick of a super flex rookie uh, draft. So yeah, pretty much right behind those those other three receivers. So let's let's move on to the next guy here, and that is Chris Olave, Buckeye number two. Six foot, 185 pounds, so the same size as his teammate Wilson, and also ran a 4.39. So they're, you know, very similar speed and size. Also, almost the same age, despite Wilson being an early declare versus Olave, who is a four-year player. So Olave has been a consistent producer the last three years on the Ohio State offense. In his senior year, he posted 936 yards and 13 touchdowns on a 20.8% target share. Trey, um, Olave is seen as a more refined route runner than Wilson, and that was kind of confirmed today when Matt Harmon tweeted out the reception perception profile, but not the same kind of short area explosiveness that Wilson shows on tape, but from an analytics perspective, is there any separation between them? What, what are you looking at here? Yeah, so one of the big issues with Olave's rookie profile is that Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith Najigba ate into his senior year production. So he really, really declined his senior year there at Ohio State. And losing uh, Justin Fields at quarterback definitely didn't do him any favors either. Uh, that team, you know, struggled at times. Um, basically, um, didn't really help out Olave. 
Now, the 3.7 yards per team pass attempt as a junior in the 2020 year is very interesting, but I do think we need to fade that peak season production a little bit since that was the seven-game COVID-shortened season, right? So it potentially is like a little bit of a small sample size. And, you know, the other issue then is that he didn't declare early, and because his senior production was so much less impressive than his junior year, I've got to give the edge to Jameson Williams here, even though I ended up liking Chris Olave a lot more than I thought I would going into this uh, process. So I I think it's totally fair to have him interchangeable with Jameson Williams, but for all those reasons, uh, give me Williams at uh, receiver four and Olave at five in this class. Right there with you, Trey. I actually, it was tough for me to decide between these two. I think it was a lot closer than I thought it would be as well. Uh, Olave's tape, he's just he's named too sweet for a reason his his routes are smooth like butter and uh the easy comp for the nfl is uh tyler lockett but it's funny that john mentioned that uh oh gosh it's funny that john mentioned garrett wilson having the safest floor because that's actually what i think of uh alave here i think that his routes are just so good that he's going to be open for three or four catches a game, and I feel like he has the least bust potential of the group. Um, Yeah, so uh, I think, remember for a second, guys, he was the fastest guy on earth uh, for a little bit until that that 40 time adjusted, so... (laughs) Yeah, the unofficial time was like a four two six or something. <laughs> that, like a full, it was insane how much they had to shave off for the official time. But John, what do you think? I, I'll say that without you know, it's it's it sucks that we're comparing him to Garrett Wilson because on any other team we wouldn't be making the same comparison. But right. on the field, I feel like Garrett Wilson looked faster. Like I feel like he's a faster football player. But that's kind of besides the point because I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Mitch on a couple of things here. I do think Olave is the best route runner in the class. And I do think he has a very safe floor. Unfortunately, I think that safe floor is wide receiver three range, like 30 to 36. Hmm. I'm afraid he's going to end up in a position where he's a role player on a team where he's going to be running short out routes. He's going to be he's going to be he's not going to have the touchdown potential that he had at Ohio State. I feel like he's going to be second in command to... It's going to be Jerry Judy. I'm afraid he's going to be Jerry Judy. Yeah, a Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, that's exactly what I'm afraid of. So yes, I think he's an excellent route runner, and I think he's a very safe floor, but I don't... He just doesn't excite me for fantasy. That said, I still got him in my tier two. I've got him at wide receiver six. So I've got him at the bottom of my second tier right now. So so do you guys have Pickens ahead of him? I do. Yeah, I, I currently have Pickens a shade, like a, a a a very thin shade ahead of him because of early production, early declare, and upside. But if Olave gets significantly higher draft capital, which it looks like he's probably going to be drafted a good amount higher than Pickens, then that's easily going to change for me. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm very confident Olave over Pickens just because Pickens' profile was so incomplete at Georgia. I think Pickens, though, has the higher ceiling, and that's what excites me. So that's what... I agree. I I just edge Pickens because of that. Like, I don't know. John, you might have us there with the uh, wide receiver three potential. I think that it's Alave's a little bit higher than that. I think it's wide receiver two potential, but wide receiver three might be the most likely scenario. And with that said, Pickens gives it to me. John was saying a wide receiver three floor, right? So versus Wilson, who's wide receiver two floor. 
Um, so ceiling, does that mean, John, let me ask you, do you think Olave's ceiling is just as high as Wilson's or would you put it more as like a wide receiver too? Uh, it's so hard to say. I like, let me see where he ends up, you know, like, right. He, Cause right. he, he did it at Ohio state. Right. So he did it at a top program, but I don't know. I want to see where he lands. Ask again later. <laughs> All right. Time for another little man. Wandale Robinson. 5'8 receiver from Kentucky who spent his first two years at John's Nebraska Cornhuskers. True dual threat offensive weapon who compiled over 2,200 receiving yards and 691 rushing yards in his three years of college. In his junior year, he was dominant at Kentucky in the SEC. Over 1,400 scrimmage yards and seven touchdowns for a whopping 39.3% target share in that Wildcat offense. So, John, like I said, you're a resident Cornhusker. Talk to us about Rondale more. I mean, Wandale Robinson. (laughs) That's a a comparison that's made many times. Uh, So he did come to Nebraska as a wide receiver, as a freshman, and I think he had somewhere around 700 yards, and then shit hit the the sand. Sorry. Where did it go? Jesus shit hit the Christ. sand. <laughs> shit We're everywhere. on the beach. My cat was shitting in the sand. No, uh, the shit hit the ceiling fan in the COVID year, and we had a bunch of injuries, so he ended up playing. He was our best running back, and he was an excellent running back, uh, but he was getting the shit blown out of him on every play. He said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. So he ends up in Kentucky, where he ends up in a pro-style offense, and he blows up the SEC. Uh, he sets all kinds of records. Uh, and his quarterback, I think we're going to be talking about a lot next year. He could possibly be the QB one next year. Will Levis, right? Yes. De- yeah, we'll be definitely talking about him this time next year. Uh, but that's all besides the point. What I want to say here is they're going to say he's small. But I think that is the only weakness that anybody's going to be able to find in his game. I, in my opinion, he's the best in the class in the open field. And it's probably because he can play as both a wide receiver and a running back. So he can catch like a wide receiver and he can run like a a running back. And I don't think anybody in this class does that better than Wandale Robinson. So I'm going to be a lot higher on Wandale than a lot of other people. And I think that's saying a lot since he spurned Nebraska and said a lot of mean things about Nebraska since he left. Uh, But where I and I hear a lot of people say this is like, okay, so Debo Samuels had a lot of success, but let's not compare him to Debo and let's not pretend like Debo is the only person that's doing this in the NFL. We've already talked about Cordell Patterson. He's had success with, with Atlanta. Uh, I think Wandale's picked in the first 100 picks. I think he's going day two. And when that happens, I think he's going to shoot up a lot of people's boards. So I'm a little ahead right now, and I've got him as my wide receiver seven. I've got him at the top of tier three. If something weird happens, I could see him sliding into tier two. And I think he's, I think he's a really dynamic player. And the only question that's left in my mind is, does he end up on a team that uses him creatively? And I have to think that if you take him day two, that he's going to be drafted by a team that's going to know how to use him effectively. I think a lot of people have drawn the comparison to Rondale Moore, but I think Wandale Robinson's a better wide receiver than Rondale Moore ever was. Uh, Rondale really only works at the line of scrimmage, and Wandale has shown that he can catch it downfield and he can run it out of the backfield as well. I think he's more of a versatile player and he's more likely to have success in the NFL. So that's why I'm pretty high on him. And uh, tell me why I'm wrong, because he's too small. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, John, look, I, I, it's not his size necessarily. I mean, the, the, it's the size and the poor testing, right? Like the vert, the broad jump, the shuttle. I think that potentially pushes him down to the late third, and and it then it's just a draft cap issue, right? Versus sure. some of the other guys ahead of him, like Sky Moore, Jahan Dotson, who could go much much earlier uh, on draft day. But you know, I don't really disagree with anything you said, man. Like uh, his production in the SEC at Kentucky was incredible. The three point six four yards per team pass attempt was great, and it was better than guys in this class like London Wilson and JMO. So. Uh, honestly, I've got him right there behind Jahan Dotson at rookie wide receiver nine. I'm right there with you. Um, I do think he, you know, looks closer to Elijah Moore in terms of production than Rondale Moore, the guy he keeps getting uh comp to. Sure, sure. Of course, these guys have like rhyming first names. So. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Good luck keeping the ball straight. I can go ahead and count myself out, and unless, unless, unless. He gets drafted somewhere where they are going to be using him as a running back, too. I, I think that's the the big part of his game that I liked. And if that's absent, then, it, well, you guys know how I feel about 5'8 wide receivers. Uh, no matter what, that's a, a one-trick pony and not usually uh, a clear path to fantasy points for me, so... Uh, we'll see where he goes. I might change my mind, but he's on the the bottom of that tier. Um, here's, here's the issue for me guys. Like if Wandale Robinson gets day two draft capital, I'm probably going to be priced out of Wandale Robinson. Mm -hmm. Like somebody is going to draft him before I am willing to. And then if he doesn't get day two draft capital, I'm not going to be interested at any price. Right? So it, he's tough for me because I don't see a way in which Wandale Robinson ends up on my team. Well, I think what you're, I think essentially what you're saying is if he gets that day two and he becomes like a high end, you know, second round pick, you're yeah. just going to prefer running backs and quarterbacks in that range. Running backs, quarterbacks, mm -hmm. probably other wide receivers, right? I think if he gets day two cap because of his production profile, I think he's going to get into a range with sky more right where there's there's gonna be whether cross positionally or at the receiver position like like dotson for instance like there's gonna be some people out there if wandale robinson gets day two draft capital they'll prefer him over day one jahan dotson i'm telling you there's gonna be a lot of people out there analytics minded people that that do that right and, you know, you got 11 other people in every league. So I just I have this feeling that in either situation, whether he gets good draft capital or not, I'm going to be priced out. Mm -hmm. so, so in your mind, where is the or the approximate range where he should be going in rookie draft? If that's a great question, like if he gets drafted round three, I'll be interested in him late round two, early round three of rookie drafts. And I think I'm I'm going to be priced out. Like somebody's going to take a mid round two, yeah. early round two. I think you're right. Right. 206, 207 doesn't sound too bad, depending right. on landing spot, though. Like I'm probably going to prefer David Bell at that price. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later. So Mike check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. Uh, all right. So what we're doing in halftime today, we got veteran buys in your average dynasty league. So we've been talking about rookies. We want to kind of 
turn our attention to vets for a little bit. And when I say vets, the line that we're drawing is they have to have at least four years in the league to be considered for this halftime segment. So we'll go ahead. Let's start with John. Who is your veteran buy in Dynasty? Uh, I like Brandon Cooks. Uh, I like that he just signed a two-year contract. Uh, I like that he's sitting at wide receiver 41 on keep trade cut and wide receiver 36 at DLF. Feels like great value for me. Um, And I think he's a better vet than some other quote-unquote veterans that uh, you could think of. Uh, one that Mitch might be uh, mm, might. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just say I'll, I think he's a better value right now than Allen Robinson, for instance. Um, and I also think he's going to be more reliable than younger guys like Juju and uh, Claypool and uh, guys in that range as well. So basically, think about your wide receiver thirty and up. So anywhere between thirty and forty, I think that, you know I I value him probably right around wide receiver thirty. He's for a contending team. He's a reliable option, and I'd like to try and get him for any second if I could. Uh, I think that might be a tough, tough buy for a second, so I'm willing to throw in a second and a third, and I'd say any second and any third, honestly. Uh, that's approximately mm. where he's valued on keep trade cut right now, and I think that's good value for a contending team, especially if those are late, obviously. I think you could easily get him for an early second. Uh, like, yeah, I think so and I think that would be a good buy. Yeah. Like if you want to send out 202, 203 for Brandon mm-hmm. Cooks, I think you get that done. Sure. Well, John, I'm not mad at you. I, I've actually used Brandon Cooks before in a, in a halftime. I'm right, right there with you. He's criminally, criminally ranked too low. All right, Mitch, but who are you going to use for this halftime? I'm using Mike Thomas. He's at wide receiver 44 on keep trade cut. And uh, the dude has been suffering heavily from what have you done for me lately. And, uh, of course, he's been neglecting his ankle. But before the last two years, he literally never put up a sub-top-10 wide receiver season. Like, he he finished one—he finished wide receiver one overall in 2019. So Jameis resigned with the Saints and could legit put Mike Thomas back in the top 10. So— Setting at wide receiver 44 seems pretty stupid to me. He's 29. I think he's got at least two seasons in him. uh, And that's how many years that Jameis signed. So I like it. There was a lot of hype going into the uh, Jameis Winston and Mike Thomas combo before uh, he didn't get his ankle surgery. So I'm hopping back on that hype train. And I think you can get him for a later second round pick. So uh, keep trade cut actually says I lose this offer uh, pick. 10 in the second round plus uh people's jones for mike thomas and i think i win that deal i think just so too, man. by a lot you know i think yeah, so too absolutely 210 and donovan people's jones if you can get mike thomas for that easy easy money trey what you got all right well i'm gonna go with the cheapest guy so far i'm gonna go with tyler lockett another perennially underrated dude kind of in the brandon cooks mold He's down to wide receiver 50 on keep trade cut right now. Obviously, with Russell Wilson leaving, has completely turfed any of his previous value. But if we just give him league average touchdown rate for next year, which is approximately 5% of his targets, he comes out as wide receiver 19 in my projections. So 14.7 points per game, which is the same range as guys like Marquise Brown and Chris Godwin. So, I mean, that's absolutely a starter for your contending roster. So, on top of that, I think there's upside in this situation. I, you know, he could potentially get traded still. 
there's also the case where the Hawks are just going to be forced to pass more often because they're going to be in so many losing situations with Drew Locke at quarterback. So or Baker Mayfield. Yeah, or Baker even, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I got him recently in a, a deal. I moved Gabe Davis and Van Jefferson for Lockett in the 23 second round pick. I think that's very cheap for a starting wide receiver on your contending roster. I, I love it. I love it. I I both Mitch's trades and Trey's trades for these players uh have have me thinking. I gotta go make some offers for these guys. So I'm going last, uh, going with the fourth wide receiver. We didn't put the restriction that you had to choose a wide receiver, but all of us uh, chose a wide receiver. So my guy is actually a player that I have also traded for in two separate leagues over the last week. So I've acquired him twice, and that is DJ Moore. So he's the most expensive guy out of all four of these guys, but I think he's a buy, and the proof is in the pudding. So he's going into his fifth year, And he's coming off another stellar season that's being underrated because of a low touchdown rate. I think he is someone because of the fatigue around his lack of touchdowns and the offensive situation that you can easily kind of pivot to by trading off of players with more hype in the same tier. So here are the two trades that I made this past week for DJ Moore. The first one, I traded away Jalen Waddell and I got back DJ Moore and Kadarius Toney. And then in the second trade, uh, a league or a, a team that I co-manage with Trey, we traded away Tyreek Hill and we got DJ Moore and pick 306 back. So basically, I value DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle, and Tyreek Hill the same. They're in the same tier for me. So give me the extra assets when and where I can get them. So who was the idiot? Who was the idiot who picked up Tyreek Hill off of you? <laughs> I, 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 some some dude on Twitter named J five underscores Alexander. You have to I spell believe. it out F I V E on. Do you guys and <laughs> do any of y'all have a player that you are just never gonna trade that you're just gonna take to your roster's grave? If so, probably CD Lamb. Mine's DJ Moore. <laughs> so uh, he's just been that guy that I paid so much for in all of those leagues, and I'll never get fatigued, man. He can keep putting up three touchdown seasons, and I'll ride him into the dark, man. Yeah, I I, I completely agree there. I think the uh, the touchdown fatigue is just crazy. Like we know better. We know that this like situation is gonna get better, and when it does, he's easily gonna be a top six receiver when it happens. I, I've seen yeah twenty eight percent target share last year, guys. I've seen twenty eight. A lot of mocks that have Willis drop into six Carolina. When that happens, I think a lot of people are going to change their minds about DJ Moore probably. I like it. For All the right. better. So let me just recap this halftime really quick. We had four veteran buys, four receivers. Mitch gave us Michael Thomas. John talked about Brandon Cooks. Trey went with Tyler Lockett. And my buy was DJ Moore. All right, let's kick off the second half. We got four more wide receivers to talk about. And the first guy we're going to get to here is Christian Watson. 6'4", 208-pound wide receiver from North Dakota State. And the true athletic freak of this class. So being he is the freak of the class, let's start with the testing. 38.5 vertical and 136 inch broad. Wow. That is good for 98th percentile speed score, 
95th percentile burst score and a 10 relative athletic score. Yes, a 10 out of 10. So he played on an extremely run heavy offense there in the FCS, which are depressing his numbers for sure. So, you know, he only had 801 yards and seven touchdowns in 2021, but that was good for a 44% dominator (laughs) rating on that offense. So Mitch Watson is nearly 23 years old and he's got a really unique profile, but it's looking like uh, he's going to go high in the draft and the athleticism, uh, even if we don't care as much about athleticism for the receiver position it's like literally unparalleled athleticism. So what do you see here with Christian Watson? I see a lot. This is the type of player that I really like at the end of the first round of a rookie draft. Uh, this is the kind of stuff I get excited about. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say he shined on tape, and I feel like instantly people might retort, well, you know, yeah, no shit, he played at North Dakota State. Uh, and I will say a lot of his touchdowns look like he was just blasting by inferior Division II athletes, and it makes you want to, you know, take what you're watching with a grain of salt. But after turning in those numbers at the combine, maybe we shouldn't be. I mean, the dude was si- the dude is six five, running a four three six, right? Like he's just he's burning people because that's what he does. So his hands look good. He's a nuisance to tackle. I mean, shit, they started to use him in the run game because he was so difficult to tackle. Uh, he just got that touchdown-breaking potential anywhere on the field. So I could see those NFL teams getting excited about it, and he might be that player that just goes way higher than we think he was going to, uh, where where we think he's going to go. So some team might fall in love with that size-speed alpha potential. So uh, for me, uh, yeah, I'm. I, he's rising up my boards. I mean, yeah, look, if you if we expect him potentially to go at the end of the first round, some teams there are, you know, the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, right? The Green Bay Packers, right? So given, you know, his kind of limited production profile, we may scoff now, but like Trey, imagine Christian Watson gets drafted by the Chiefs. Like, what is going to happen to his hype, right? Right. And if that happens, I mean, he'll definitely move up my ranks, but he will absolutely be priced out of anywhere where I would be willing to draft him just because I can't get excited about the late production at an FCC, an FCS school. Um, yeah, the only thing he's got going for him is the athleticism and the potential high draft capital. I've got him down as my wide receiver 11 in this class. That's because I can't put him ahead of guys like Robinson and Bell, who we just talked about, who are legit producers at the D1 level. So, yeah, I if he does go first round, I'll adjust accordingly, but I will definitely be priced out here. I, I thought I was the low man, but uh, I guess I'm not because I also have him at wide receiver 11. And it's not because I don't like him. I, I couldn't find anything I didn't like about the player. It's really just a confidence issue for me. I'm not confident in a guy making the jump from FCS to the NFL, especially not year one. Uh, if if you're going to draft him and you're going to take him in the first round of your rookie drafts, just from my perspective, I don't want to miss on my first round pick. And this feels like a guy that 
could bust really, really hard. And I'm just not I'm not confident enough to take him in the first round. And so like Trey, I'm going to be priced out as well. I think he looked really good on film and I've seen the numbers and they are amazing. But there's just no way that I'm going to be confident enough to take him. Same same as Trey Lance last year and other FCS players. Just people are going to take him before I'm going to feel comfortable taking him. John, I, I completely agree with you, man. It's it's tough. Uh, you look at his numbers and his numbers do not look good just from a raw stats perspective. Um, it, it wasn't until I started watching the film that I started to actually believe that this guy might be might be better than uh, I was expecting coming out of uh, what? South Dakota? North Dakota State. North Dakota Carson State. Wentz. Yeah, Carson Wentz. He's our favorite guy on this pod. There's a lot of like positive narrative around him, right? He was like the toast of the town in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, right? Obviously, he absolutely murdered the Combine. Like he made the Combine his bitch, you know? So <laughs> like he he's we're not going to be surprised if he gets late one draft capital. It's just like, yeah, I think I think me, John and Trey are kind of on the same page with like we're probably going to be priced out. And it looks like Mitch is willing to take that stab. So. Uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out. I'm I'm really interested to see where he goes. Sure. Let's uh, move on to this next guy. We've talked about him or gestured to him a couple times, and that's David Bell uh, out of Purdue. So this is a receiver that checks a lot of boxes, right? He is a serial producer, broke out as a true freshman, continued that through 2020, and then last year he posted 1,286 yards and six touchdowns, right? He's an early declare absolutely balled out against elite competition in the Big Ten. And his splits, they're just littered with 100-yard and one-touchdown games. In 2021, he had two 200-yard performances. So he's definitely fallen out of favor uh, by the draft community because his combine was, uh, unlike Christian Watson, just a total wet fart. Um, He ran 4-6 plus and posted a 20th percentile burst score. But Trey, you know, like I said, his production is is among the most rock solid in the class. And he's got the NFL frame. So I'm really interested to hear your take here. Yeah. So the production is good. But in terms of yards per team pass attempt, he never cleared 2.64, which was his best uh, year as a junior in his last year, which that puts him behind uh, Jahan Dotson's junior year, who was, you know, also in the uh, Big Ten, and it puts him just ahead of Pickens at two point one one, and and we know Pickens is going to get drafted a lot higher than David Bell is because of the athletic testing, like you mentioned. So, yeah, I from an analytic perspective, I do like the early breakout. I like the consistent improved production every year of his career, but I can't put him over a guy like Wandale Robinson, who had a whole extra yard per team attempt in a better conference. You know, so. I, I think the draft capital means he's going to fall to the late third. So he comes out as wide receiver 10 in my ranks ahead of Christian Watson and behind Wandale Robinson. Hmm. I've got him a little bit higher. I, I've got him at eight, right? Also right behind Wandale Robinson. Uh, and, and for me, it's more of an eye test thing because last year, I remember we were watching the Rondale Moore film. And when I was watching, I just, David Bell kept popping out and, he looks like an NFL wide receiver. That's that's what I kept coming back to. It's like, okay, Rondell looks like the best athlete, but David Bell looks like the best wide receiver. 
And that's what I saw watching the Big Ten this year as well. I, I, I have belief that he is that guy, that he can be an alpha. Uh, but I also have my doubts, which is why I have him in tier three. So I still like him. Uh, let's see where he ends up, though. I don't know if I agree that he can be an alpha. Like, I think he can be a really solid possession receiver at the next uh, level, right? So player profilers comp for him right now is Anquan Bolden, right? And uh-huh. that would be, you know, I think that's a ceiling comp for David Bell is Anquan Bolden's career. But I think he is an NFL player. Like, I think he's going to be solid at the next level. But Mitch, what do you got? Well, that that is kind of interesting. The the alpha possession wide receiver and Quan Bolden there. <laughs> uh, I don't see I don't see that at all. Uh, David Bell is, I think, wide receiver 11 for me. He's a little bit further okay. down. I don't think I mentioned this in the uh, about Christian Watson. I have him at wide receiver eight. So uh, he's a. Uh, He's a lot higher up just because of that upside as where I feel like David Bell, you kind of get what you get, right? Uh, he's solid production, but he doesn't he doesn't burn. He doesn't take the top off. He's not going to give you that uh, alpha potential. I, I don't see it there. So um, he's a little safer, like there's mm-hmm. less uh, less risk involved for sure. And it depends on where you're picking him. So if you're picking him early second, I don't mind that. But I'm not going to be taking a stab with a first-round pick. This is what I fear uh, with a first-round pick is just taking a stab at something safe and getting something bland, you know? Right. Right. And and let me be clear. You're never going to have to draft David Bill at the end of the first round, right? Unless something insane happens where he gets like – 40th overall draft capital like he's you're gonna be able to get him mid to late second round um so i think i'm i'm probably gonna be in at that price although i hear what you're saying mitch it there's the argument that when you're in the first round especially the early part of the first round you actually want to make safer picks right because you don't want to bust on those high priced or high leverage assets when you get into the cheaper assets in the second and third round, you actually want to shoot for upside. So I can hear the critique of like, well, why draft a bland David Bell at 208 when you could draft Brian Robinson or, you know, pick your handcuff running back that can return real value into your starting lineup? So I hear that. But Trey, did you have something? Yeah, I mean, I guess this isn't really a great comparison, but he... It reminds me a little bit of what happened with Amon Ross St. Brown last year. You know, this is somebody that we were kind of all high on because of like the nice production profile, but he fell in the draft, right? And they're going to fall for different reasons, but nevertheless, late third, early fourth, whatever, right? Which means he's going to be available in that pick. And, you know, if he ends up in the right situation, like St. Brown did, I could see him kind of following in that similar trajectory. Yeah, I don't. Uh, do you know what grinding the mocks projects for David Bell? Yeah, when I pulled it about a week ago, it was at um, expected draft position was seventy three, so third round. Okay, third round, third round. I I would be happy with third round, right? Uh, I think I was looking at player profilers mock draft index, and they had him like about ten spots higher than that. So you know, different services will tell you different things, but he's a guy I'm really interested to see where he lands for sure. Um, okay, let's move on to our seventh guy here, and that is John Mechie, three-year player for the Alabama Crimson Tide. 
he had solid production um, that nevertheless kind of always evaded those true breakout thresholds, um, adjusting for age and experience. So 916 yards and six touchdowns as a sophomore in 2020. And then last year, he crested 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. So unfortunately, like his teammate, Jamison Williams, he tore his ACL in the college football playoffs. So he was also unable to test. Um, not expected to be nearly as explosive athletically as Jamison Williams. But John, what is your opinion of John Mechie, who, by the way, was born in Taiwan? Whoa. Very interesting. And grew, grew up in Canada. Well, I, my first opinion is, is he even American? Can he play in the NFL? <laughs> there, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be a Saskatchewan rough rider. He's not ready for office, man. People, people are going to ask these questions, and these are things we need to consider. No, I'm sorry. Uh, you've given me a tough task here because I, I remember watching the Alabama spring game and thinking, oh, my God, John Mechie is going to be a first-round wide receiver. And then he kind of just fell out of favor. Uh, so what is he? He's a, he's a really good route runner who is likely going to play in the slot in the NFL. Okay. He looked really, really good at Alabama pre-ACL injury, but obviously he was overshadowed by Jameson Williams. So my read is that while I like Mechie, he isn't really exceptional at anything. Like he's really good at a lot of things and that's good, but that's going to put him as wide receiver 10 for me uh, towards the end of tier tier three. Uh, And the reason is that I'm a little worried about the ACL, but I could see something happening similar to what happened to Brian Edwards, who had an injury right before the combine, uh, a lot where he gets the draft capital day two, day three, which is what I think, or sorry, day two, which would be round two or round three, which is what we're expecting for Mechie. And a lot of people are going to say that he's a sleeper. Like this is a guy who could have easily been first round before the injury. So that's kind of what I'm looking to see if that is what actually transpires. Like I've got him at wide receiver 10 right now. But I could see a situation where he kind of catapults himself up into tier two based on where he goes if a team really likes him, because that's how people were viewing him before the season. And I think Jamison Williams just kind of stole some of his thunder. So, you know, it's it's this is a weird one for me. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with John Mechie. Yeah, for sure. Once when he was kind of playing Robin to Devontae Smith's Batman in uh, 2020, I was like, oh, Mechie looks like he might be the next guy. And then Jamison Williams said, hold my beer, bro. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm probably not going to have any Mechie shares. I've got him down at uh, rookie receiver 13. Um, hmm. This is kind of the range where we start ranking guys at receiver where I'm probably just going to go running back or quarterback or tight end instead, you know, if if, if there are any quarterbacks in this range. But I, look, I've got him ahead of Justin Ross, who's also got great name recognition. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> look, he's a pretty good player. He's above average, like you said, John, at a lot of things. And he's probably going to be an NFL contributor, but he's right. not going to be a fantasy contributor. So uh, for me, he's my wide receiver 12. I'm out to n- no real interest unless, and I hate like doing this with almost every wide receiver, unless he goes to the damn Chiefs and then let me tell you what. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I, I did mention the Chiefs as a landing spot, but they have not had a great track record outside of Tyreek Hill with 
you know, Miko Hardman and Cornell Powell and right. all that. So, right. you know, you know, I, I brought up player profilers comps earlier uh, in this episode, but I think their comp for John Mechie is perfect. Russell Gage. That is <laughs> an excellent John Mechie comp. No, thank that's you. Awful. Oh, that's no, terrible. Thanks. I thought you guys liked him. I hope he does better than that. For his, uh, you were no, Mitch. You were the one oh, that I was like, I him, think dude. Russell Gage sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was saying Matt Harmon said that Russell Gage may be a little underrated, mm. but hey, he got ten million dollars a year to go play with Tom Brady, so the NFL likes him to a certain extent. All right, let's move on to this final guy. We're going to talk about in depth here. That's Khalil Shakir, four-year player at Boise State. Six foot, 196 pounds, and ran a 4.43 at the combine. So that's a solid 71st percentile speed core uh, and 82nd percentile burst score. Solid, if unspectacular, production profile uh, 719 yards and six touchdowns on 3.25 yards per team pass attempt in his junior year. So that's solid. Uh, really good, actually. Uh, last year, 1,117 yards and seven touchdowns, but really took a step back in terms of market share of receiving yards, target share, and yards per team pass attempt. So, Mitch, what do you think of this speedster from Boise State? So, I actually was pretty impressed with what I saw from him. Um, I wasn't expecting to going in, just looking at his production profile and seeing four-year player at Boise State. But uh, let's talk about the good things. He's six foot, one ninety-six pounds, and ran a four-four-three. He's built kind of like a running back, and he plays like it too out of the backfield. They do a lot of uh, like uh, jet sweeps to him out of the backfield, and uh, yeah, he he can fly. Uh, like you said, he's a He's a speedster. Um, so I liked his versatility. I liked his ability to create space, too. Uh, not just out of the backfield, but catching short passes. That seemed to be kind of how they used him there. So I think that he could potentially carve himself out as a hybrid weapon. Uh, something more exciting than some of these other guys who I think just are going to be just whatever role player wide receivers. I see more of a path to potential fantasy points if used correctly. So um, I'm not like to the moon with this guy, but I was pretty impressed. And I'd like to see where he goes before making any further uh, flag plants here. Yeah, I, I feel like we were talking about how I was going to probably be priced out of Wandale Robinson no matter what. And, and part of it is because I'm looking at Khalil Shakir's profile and I know that I'm probably going to be able to get him much cheaper. And I'd probably just take the stab on Khalil Shakir, you know, half a round to a full round later, right? If I really wanted, you know, kind of a versatile. Well, Andy's not 5'8", you know. Right. I mean, six foot, 196 pounds. I, I think Trey. Well, yeah. Why would you, why wouldn't you want a, a senior year for your player out of Boise state when you could have an early declare out of the sec, you know, like, like why wouldn't you go for the, the SEC Beca player because of the frame, right? Because I think it's like I, they have Khalil Shakir. If he gets decent draft capital, which I think is less likely than Wandale Robinson getting. Yeah. Decent late draft third, capital. early fourth, potentially. Right. 
But if he gets into that third round, I think he's going to end up being significantly cheaper than Wandale. But because of the frame, because of good production, right? And I'm not necessarily worried at this level in terms of like competition. I saw like a thread by Jacob Sanderson where he was talking about Sky Moore, right? Because Sky Moore is a group of five player. He's early to Claire given. But he's a group of five player. He's not a power five player. But we don't really have enough data to to say that, you know, group of five players with really good production profiles aren't going to be good in the NFL. So it's it's just a matter of price for me when co- comparing Shakir and Robinson. I mean, all things being equal because of the competition, because of early declare, because of the production profile. If I could get Wandale Robinson at 303, right? then I'll take him over Shakir. But it's it's price dependent, right? Look, man, Wandale is a smart car, and Khalil Shakir is built Ford tough, dude. There is no reason. <laughs> he's a Ford focus. No, he's not. He's not focused, Ben. <laughs> no, he's big. He, he's, he's at least a crossover. No, tray. man, he's got a hatch. No, he's a Ford he... escape hatchback. <laughs> Wait, hang on. <laughs> Like a rock. Oh, that's a that's a different. Yeah, basically, uh, no, same brand. brand. All right, I've got <laughs> I've got John Mechie and I've got Justin Ross just ahead of Khalil Shakir. They're kind of all in a, a tier of guys where you're probably better served going after the handcuff running back. Okay, so we talked about these eight guys here. Uh, before we close out our rookie series, uh, is there any other guys that y'all want to toss out? Yeah, yeah. So let me go first here with South Alabama wide receiver Jalen Tolbert, who I'm kind of surprised we didn't talk about earlier. I've got him ahead of Mechie Ross and Shakir here. Uh, I just, I really like the 47.9% market share dominator. And I really like the 3.63 yards per team pass attempt. Yes, he was a redshirt senior. So, you know, he doesn't get that early declare status, but he's going to be available in like the same range, if not cheaper than all these guys we just talked about. And that's an elite production profile. So he's somebody I'm very interested in, in that dart throw range. Right. Jalen Tolbert. Uh, I think that's a good name to keep in mind. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, Trey, when you like surprised that we didn't talk about him earlier, it's just like, I want to say like there were several running backs we didn't talk about, right? There was Kevin Harris. There was Ty Chandler, like for our listeners, uh, you know, feel free to be like, Oh, these TLG guys, they didn't talk about the real sleeper of the draft. It's just like we only have so much time. We can't go for three hours. So I I just wanted to highlight that there's definitely guys we didn't talk about. But Mitch, what do you got? Uh, I got Danny Gray out of SMU uh, because he's fast. Uh, They were expecting him to be the the top combine uh, 40 speed, but he was not. I think he got like a 4-3-3. He's 5'11", 186, nothing, nothing too exciting there. But uh, if, he, if he gets taken in the third or fourth round, I would get a little more excited. But I think he's expected to go in the fifth or sixth, something like that. But uh, he's the guy I'm keeping my eye on. Okay, Danny Gray out of SMU, Jalen Tolbert. Yeah, those are those are good names. Um any anybody else? Yeah, yeah. I just want to talk directly to our listener and our listeners and say, "Hey, you're a sleeper. I'm going to talk about that guy right now. He sucks, and that's why we didn't talk about him." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Sick burn. <laughs> Take that. <Got> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what? There's Bo Melton, right? That's a good name. There's Velus Jones, who's 25 years old, right? It's like once you get past these top 17 or 18, it gets pretty ugly pretty fast. I feel so. like our nickname game wasn't as good this year. We had like the elder one last year. And <gasps> yeah, Dwayne Shin Elderly Scratch. We had Longdale. Yeah, we didn't have good nicknames <laughs> this year. I'm sad. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna close out the show there. Next week, uh, we're gonna do a pre-draft rookie mock, super flex rookie mock. So we'll be able to put these guys that we've talked about over the last month, you know, in order in relationship to each other, kind of talk a little bit more in terms of what's gonna happen in your actual rookie draft. So we're looking forward to that. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to episode 51 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.